to welcome you back to our series entitled Questions Jesus Asked. Now, if you were to look through the Gospels, and if you were to count them up for yourselves, you would find that Jesus asked over 300 questions. In fact, the very first recorded words of Jesus Christ were in the form of a question. We see that Luke chapter 2 records Joseph and Mary losing Jesus in Jerusalem at the Passover. And here what they see in Luke 2.46 is this. After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking questions. Now in our study, in our series, we've looked already at a couple of questions that Jesus has asked. First of all, we looked at the question, why worry? We have so many worries that we face. One of them that he asked, he gave some great tools and tips on how we can overcome worry. Last week, we looked at this powerful question. As Jesus asked Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, what do you want me to do for you? And we saw some powerful scriptures and powerful principles last week. Today's question that Jesus asked comes from Matthew chapter 8. Now, it was directed to his disciples. They were on a boat in the middle of a massive storm. And the question in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, is very simply this. Why are you afraid? Now, that's a pretty valid question. And there's a lot of answers that might be a part of that today. Certainly, why are people afraid? There's the coronavirus COVID-19, which is affecting so many different things physically, financially, with the challenges of, of schools going to online schools, shutting down businesses, businesses being scaled back. There are a lot of fears in relation to the coronavirus. There's fears about our own personal lives, fears about our family and family members, fears about our households and jobs. There are so many fears that we have. Jesus asks a valid question to his disciples, and we're going to be jumping into this. So first of all, let me ask you, what are you afraid of? Now, I told you I was afraid of heights a little bit earlier in our service, but on the count of three, I want you to shout it out. Hear me in every room, every person, Shout it out on the count of three. What are you afraid of? Are you ready? One, two, three. Heights! I guess I did that by myself. My family left me hanging. I said everybody in every room, but no, it was just me. Hopefully you weren't by yourself. But since I can't hear you, here's what I want you to do. We'll put the uh, question on the screen as we interact with you, and I want you to go ahead and type in your answer, comment. What are you afraid of? Certainly you can like or share, but I want to hear from you. Comment what it is that you're afraid of. You see, in the, the game that Brooklyn shared with us earlier, the fearophobia, there are a lot of fears. In fact, there's over 500 medically defined fears or phobias. One person talks about a phobia being this, fear on steroids. Now, if you take a look in the Word of God, in the NIV, fear is mentioned 284 times. Type in the word afraid, and you'll see that it's mentioned 205 times. 
So now for the next 25 hours, I would like to read each and every... No, just kidding. But I'm thankful for the Bible app. I'm thankful for electronic means of being able to count up this. Certainly know that there are many, many times that fear and that afraid is mentioned. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 as we begin in verse 23. And this morning we'll be discovering principles from the storms of life. Here's a first principle for us this morning. Understand that storms are a natural part of life. We read in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23, and going into 24, Then he, meaning Jesus, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Did you catch that? The storms came and swept over the boat. Now, storms on the Sea of Galilee, that body of water, were certainly rather common. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a, a little bit more, sometimes been referred to more like a lake, 13 miles long, 8 miles wide, surrounded by mountains and hills. Cool mountain air mixes with the warm sea air and produces violent storms. I, I kind of think I should be a meteorologist pointing to the, the cold fronts, but that's what we read about here in the Sea of Galilee. Now, a number of these disciples were fishermen. They knew how to handle the sea. They knew how to handle these storms. However, this is translated as a furious storm. The storm was so strong, a little bit out of the ordinary, that Matthew uses the Greek word seismos. It's that same word that in Matthew chapter 27 and chapter 28, it's translated as earthquake. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ when the earthquake hit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the same word here for this furious storm. So this is a pretty massive deal. But what we see is this. These storms many times can erupt without much warning. That's pretty much how things in our life happens. One minute the sun is shining and the next minute it's thunder and lightning and wind and waves. It doesn't take too long before our world changes. That, that phone rings and you hear uh, news on the other end and your world's turned upside down. Maybe the boss calls you into his office at work and in just a few sentences, your world is turned upside down. Maybe you have a doctor's visit and you hear the doctor's diagnosis and in a few moments, your world is turned upside down. Storms hit suddenly powerfully and many times violently. Now the disciples, they followed Jesus. I find that very interesting that Jesus got in the boat and his disciples followed him. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to follow Jesus. In fact, they were literally following in his footsteps. They were tracing those very same things, doing exactly what Jesus was doing, and yet they still encountered a storm. Now, I would, I would love, and I know you would love for the fact to be this. We wish we could say that when we became a Christian, when we dedicated our lives to Jesus Christ, that the storms went away and, and life became perfect. But Jesus never guarantees us that 
In fact, he kind of guarantees us the opposite. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read this. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trials, hardships, difficulties. Now, that's more of a promise. And I've never seen anybody stand upon that promise in the Word of God. We stand upon God's promise of healing and God's promise of provision and God's promise of the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But to see somebody say, I'm standing upon the promise of trials? Jesus said, you and I will have trials. Understand that being a Christian does not eliminate hardship, trials, or difficulties. In fact, being a pastor does not eliminate hardship, trials, or difficulties. We go through difficulties. We go through hardships. The, the truth of the matter is that storms are a natural part of life. No matter how mature your faith, you and I will have storms. No matter how close you feel to Jesus, you and I will have storms. They're a natural part of life. I want to share with you a second principle about storms. Understand this, storms do not trouble Jesus. Now, I love these four words. We, we read verse 23 and most of 24, but I left out the last four words, one sentence of that verse. Here's simply what it says. But Jesus was sleeping. I mean, seriously? In the midst of a storm, outside, on a boat, so furious that it's described almost like an earthquake, Jesus was sleeping? Let me ask you this, and I want to I see your comments. Do you sleep through storms? Simple yes or no. I'm going to type in, yes, I can sleep. In fact, I go to sleep really fast. Ask my wife, Kim, she'll, she'll let you know. I, I get adjusted, I'm, I'm in the bed, I kind of turn over, make sure my pillow's just so. And boy, it doesn't seem like very many seconds before I'm out. If we've got a storm and uh, the rain's coming, the, uh, uh, the, the wind is howling, the, the thunder and lightning is taking place, chances are I'm going to sleep all the way through whatever takes place in the night. Now the difference is, I'm at home in my bed, inside with walls and a ceiling and roof and all of that over me. I can't imagine being outside, in a boat, in the midst of the stormy Sea of Galilee when all of this would hit. How in the world would Jesus be able to do that? In fact, one commentator writes that this phrase, the grammar of this phrase, conveys a dramatic contrast. And, and I like the contrast. The storm is raging. The disciples are panicking. But Jesus is sleeping. You see, the storms don't bother Jesus. Do you ever feel sometimes like maybe Jesus is sleeping while you're in the midst of a storm? Maybe it seems like or it feels like he just, he doesn't hear, he doesn't understand, he doesn't know, he doesn't care. I want to assure you, the storms don't bother him. He does understand, he does know, he does care, he is concerned about what you and I go through. Storms simply don't trouble him. 
He's not shaken by storms. They don't catch him by surprise. He's not looking around saying, Oh my goodness, what happens now? Jesus is not shaken. He is not surprised. And these storms don't bother him. Aren't you glad that in the midst of many times our world being shaken, our world crumbling when it seems to fall apart, that Jesus is strong and steadfast and someone that we can look to. Aren't you glad that when calamity comes, Jesus is someone who remains calm? Aren't you glad that you can find someone faithful and consistent even in the midst of chaos? Some incredible principles from God's word are that storms are a natural part of life and storms do not trouble Jesus. There's a third principle I want to share with you, and that's this. Storms compel us to turn to Jesus. Verse 25, we read this. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. I want to ask you another question. So we just continue to interact throughout the word of God and throughout this message. I want to ask you, how do you handle storms? You'll see the question posted. I want to invite you just to answer. What is it that you do? How do you face it? How do you handle storms? You see, many times you and I can face storms in different ways. Some people, they face storms with determination. It is full speed and full steam ahead, and, and we try to handle it in our own strength. For others, maybe they're thinkers, and they want to map out the pros and the cons, and they want to plan, and, and then plan some more, and then we'll plan a little bit more. I need a, a backup plan to the backup plan to the plan. For some, who says, plans? Forget about plans. Let's just kind of enjoy life. Let's just kind of roll with it and see what comes. For others, maybe the only reasonable response is just to give up, to surrender, and to say, I can't handle it. I can't do it. And still for others, when storm comes, your response is to buy up all the toilet paper. I mean, seriously? You buy toilet paper and then some more toilet paper and some more and some more, not leaving any for, for the rest of us? Just kidding. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared for things. But boy, we, we handle and we face storms so differently. It seems like the disciples... Though they were used to storms in the boat, it's like they, they did all that they could handle. They faced everything in their own strength before eventually turning to Jesus. They wake him up, almost like they shake him and say, Lord, Jesus, save us. We're going to drown. I mean, they must really be in trouble if sailors are asking a carpenter for some help. Now, they talk to Jesus, they're desperate, they're panicked, they've got a fear of drowning, they don't know what else to do, they don't know where else to turn. Maybe that describes you today. You don't know what else to do, and you don't know where else to turn. The encouragement is this, turn to Jesus. He's the one to turn to. They turn to him in desperation like you and I do so many different times. Understand and know that you and I can turn to Jesus. No matter where we are in the midst of our storm, we can talk to him about it. Sometimes we wait until the storm hits, until the storm is full-blown, and until we exhaust all of our options, and then and only then do we turn 
to Jesus. We wait for sickness to come or we wait for the economy to be challenging. We, we wait for coronavirus or other things where everything is, is just at, at the height of chaos and then turn to Jesus. Now, we certainly can, but we know that we can turn to him at any point in time. Why? Because Jesus is attentive to our voice. Jesus is attentive to the cries of his children. He cares and he hears. We read this in Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So no matter what it is that you're facing, know that you can turn to him today. In the midst of the physical, in the midst of the financial, in the midst of the relational, you can turn to Jesus today. I want to share with you a fourth principle about storms this morning, and that's this. Storms require faith, not fear. In Matthew 8, 26, Jesus responds, and here's where our text was. Jesus said, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Now, the disciples had many reasons to have faith instead of fear. They had eyewitness accounts to Jesus performing some incredible miracles. Jesus healed a man of leprosy simply by touching him. You want to talk about social distancing? Jesus went to a man with leprosy, touched him, and healed him. He healed a centurion servant by merely speaking the words. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, cast out demons, and healed all of the sick. And all of those accounts are merely the beginning portion of Matthew chapter 8. Now, this was nature that we're talking about. They're in the midst of a boat, in the midst of a storm, and no doubt what was different was this storm was now happening to them. Isn't it rather easy to tell other people to have faith in the midst of their storms? Isn't it a whole lot different, a whole lot more difficult to have the faith and trust when we are the ones in the midst of a storm. No doubt, as, as a pastor, I, I share and I meet with people and, and talk with people and, and counsel with people and visit in the hospital, those types of things. And it's much easier to encourage and to trust and say, listen, trust in Jesus and know that he will be with you. But it certainly is more difficult when we go through something ourselves. But you see, storms require that we have true faith in Jesus and not fear. Let's live in faith. Psalm 23, verse 4, that famous 23rd Psalm reads like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's why we don't need to be afraid, because he is with us. Someone said this, fear is looking at God through the midst of your circumstances, faith is looking at your circumstances through God. I like that. Now, just a little bit ago, we read from John 16, 33, and we read this, in this world, you will have trouble. And that's true. That's a promise. Jesus said it. But I want to share with you the rest of that verse. Jesus then said this, take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's not, re, uh, let's not eliminate the rest of that phrase. Let's stand firm upon that. Someone once said this phrase, 
Don't tell God how big your storms are. Tell your storms how big your God is. I like that. So go ahead. Go ahead and type it out. Go ahead and comment. Let your storms know how big your God is as we face this in faith rather than fear. Understand storms, they're a natural part of life. Storms don't trouble Jesus. Instead, they compel us to turn to him and they require faith and not fear. Finally, this morning, a final truth or principle from God's word is this. Know that storms are no match for Jesus. We continue the rest of verse 26 and 27. It says this, Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Listen, there is no storm that Jesus cannot calm. Our God is a God who parted the Red Sea and he made the sun stand still. He's a God who heals the sick and raises people from the dead. He's a God who heals physical bodies and controls nature. This is the God who's on our side. He is for you. He has all the power, all the authority. Understand this. Notice that when Jesus shows up, when Jesus gets involved, Jesus brings peace. Never doubt his power even in the midst of difficult trials. It doesn't matter how big the waves are, how loud the wind is, God is bigger than any of your circumstances. Romans 8.31 says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? The message translation puts it like this, With God on our side, how can we lose? I like that. If God's on our side, how can we lose? The answer is we can't. Know that storms are no match for Jesus. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't face storms alone. Make sure that Jesus Christ is in your boat. Know that you can experience his peace even in the midst of your storm. I invite you not to wait until the storms set or not to wait until the storms get even worse, but turn to Jesus Christ. We're reminded that storms are a natural part of life. We're encouraged that storms do not trouble Jesus. They compel us instead to turn to him. They require our faith in Jesus instead of fear. They remind us that storms are no match for Jesus. Jesus.